0: We able to, able to, to talk, talk about, about him. him. Get it, you start to look at With, With the latest, latest in breaking, breaking news and in in information, information from, from
1: the Vatican, Vatican to the to White, White
2: House, House and, and everything, everything in between. In between. It's serious. It's Now here's your, your host,
1: host, Joe, Joe McClain. Wait, be to Jesus Christ. This is not Joe McClain. This is actually your producer, Adrian Fonseca. And today we are out. We are not here. Where are we? We're at the GRN retreat this week. So we're out in Midland, Texas. And don't worry, so we have content a whole week for you. So, to yesterday, we had uh, Father Frankovich talk about the power of forgiveness. Today, we have Patrick Coffin on. Tomorrow, we have uh, Gabriel Castillo is back on. And then, we also have Awake Not Woke. This is going to be on Thursday. And then, Friday, we will be back for our regularly scheduled programming. So, don't go anywhere. We'll be here all week long, and then Friday we'll be back. We'll be live, and next week we will begin our uh, game show again. So no game show this week. So in the next hour, there is not going to be a game show, and I'll show you how this uh, show is going to go today. We're going to have saint of the day, gospel of the day, and then we will have our interview with Patrick Coffin. Uh, the second hour will be the finishing of the Patrick Coffin interview, and we'll have the same saint of the day and gospel of the day at the other hour, and uh, that'll be it for the uh, the show for today. But don't worry. Tomorrow we will have more content, brand new, never before heard before. This is going to be new content, so we're not playing some old, the best of. Don't worry, it's all new content, so you can stay tuned in and uh, be listening in. So, let's begin. Uh, We'll begin with uh, the Memorare. We'll read the Gospel of the Day, we'll read the Say of the Day, and uh, then we'll jump into the interview. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And there's no uh, news of the day, so no breaking news, and we'll go straight into the Saint of the Day. The Saint of the Day is Saint Hyacinth. Saint Hyacinth, the glorious apostle of Poland in Russia, was born of noble parents in Poland. About the year 1185, his early education was entrusted to the care of his uncle, a pious priest who later became the Bishop of Krakow. Hyacinth manifested so much learning and piety that he was sent to complete his studies at the best universities in Europe. In 1220, he visited Rome and while there met St. Dominic himself. He became one of the first members of the newly founded Dominican Order. Because of his spirit of prayer and his zeal for the salvation of souls, he was sent to preach and establish the Dominican Order in his native land, Poland. He journeyed also to Austria, Bohemia, and the shores of the Black Sea, and eventually on to China, Sweden, and Norway. Because of his evangelizing, multitudes were converted, and churches and convents were built. He worked numerous miracles, and at Krakow, he raised a dead youth to life. He inherited from St. Dominic a childlike and tender devotion to the Mother of God. To her, he attributed his, his success, and to her aid, he looked for his salvation. When St. Hyacinth was at Kiev, the fierce Tartars attacked, sacked the town. But it was only as he finished Mass that he heard of the danger. Without waiting to invest, he took the ciborium in his hand and was fleeing the church. It was recorded that as he passed by an image of Mary, he heard a voice say, Hyacinth, my son, why, will, why dost thou leave me behind? Take me with thee, and leave me not to mine enemies. Although the statue was heavy, heavy alabaster, when Hyacinth took it in his arms, it was light as a reed. With the Blessed Sacrament in the image of Mary, he came to the river De, of Dnieper and walked over the surface of the waters. Worn out by his constant labors and vast journeys, Hyacinth spent the last few months of his life in a convent he had founded at Krakow. There on the Feast of St. Dominic, 1257, he fell sick with a fever that terminates his, that terminate his le- earthly life. On the eve of the feast of the Assumption, he was warned of his coming death. In spite of his condition, he celebrated the Mass of the feast day. As a dying man, he was anointed at the altar and died the same day in twelve fifty seven. He was canonized in fifteen ninety four by Pope Clement the Thirteenth, or by the Pope Clement the Eighth. Sorry, Pope Clement the Eighth. And the feast day of Saint Hyacinth, Hyacinth is celebrated today, August seventeenth. A prayer to Saint Hyacinth: O oh, Holy Saint Hyacinth, patron of our Church, we ask you to intercede for us and win God's blessing. We come together as a family to bring praise and worship to the Father. May we live lives that are holy and worthy of the name Christian. Bless us with your devotion to Mary, the mother of God, and with an ardent faith in Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Win for us the grace to continue to live according to gospel values and the teachings of the church. Intercede for us to protect us as we place ourselves under the patronage and care. The gospel today... It's from the, first cha- uh, the 19th chapter of Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For men, this is is impossible but for god all things are possible then peter said to him in reply we have given up everything and followed you what will there be for us jesus said to them amen i say to you that you who have followed me in the new age when the son of man is seated on his throne of glory will yourselves sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for the sake of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Uh, the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ. The, the gospel today is inspired or was uh, sponsored by veraboom.com forward slash CDT. So thank you veraboom.com forward slash forward slash CDT for generously underwriting the gospel of the day. There is a lot to unpack for the gospel today. There's so much here. And one thing that we can talk about is the eye of the needle. This is a commonly debated uh, verse in the scriptures. What does our Lord mean when he says that it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one man who is rich to enter the kingdom of God? Well, some scholars say uh, our Lord is being, uh, using, making analogy. He's not, he's speaking an exaggerated language. He's not saying literally stick a uh, camel through the eye of a needle. Instead, you know, he means it's really difficult. Like just how, like the camel is the biggest animal that they've ever seen before. And this camel cannot fit through an eye of a needle to, you know, sewing clothes. So therefore it is almost impossible to enter the kingdom of God. Cause you know, our Lord says immediately after, cause they're saying, is it possible? Is it possible for people to be saved? And our Lord said, for men, this is impossible. So it's not hard. It's not difficult. It doesn't take a lot of work. You know, you don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You just got to put in a few extra hours, you know, spend an extra time in the, in the, at mass, go to more masses, say more rosaries, and then you've earned heaven. No. For men, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. And so if we rely on the grace of our lady, if we rely on the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, only then may we enter into the kingdom of God. Because can God put a camel through the eye of a needle? Of course he can. He's God. He can shrink down the camel, put it through the eye of the needle. He can grow the eye of the needle and have the camel fit in it. Now, some people will say, no, you know, you got to look at this historically. And, you know, there might have been a passage in the uh, in the old wall over in in Jerusalem that you would have to get a camel, put him on his knees and drag him through. And that's what they mean by a camel through the eye of the needle. Well, I mean, OK, maybe, maybe that's true. Uh, we don't know. Uh, some scholars will say, "Now, actually, that uh, that gate that they claim to have was not around when our Lord was alive. That came later. And so maybe that's not what it is. And so maybe that gets the name more from the scripture passage than the other way around. And so there's a kind of debate on that po- topic. So the point being, it is impossible to get to heaven without the grace of our Lord and our lady. Very important. Very, very important. And then what's next? It says, our Lord says, Jesus said to them, amen. I say to you that you who have followed me in the new age, when the son of man is seated on his throne of glory, will yourself sit on 12 thrones? What is our Lord saying here? He's saying in the kingdom of heaven. That the Son of Man will have seated the 12 apostles. So, you know, we have different senses of scripture. We have the sense that's literal to the audience at the time. And our Lord is speaking directly to the apostles. He's not speaking to us. We were not going to be the 12, uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's not going to be us. That's going to be the apostles. And the apostles will be there at the judgment seat. What is happening here? Our Lord is showing again. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. There's a hierarchy in the faith. There's a hierarchy in heaven. And the 12 apostles have been promised. And you know, Judas here is actually one of the 12 that he's referring to. And you know, this actually shows against the Calvinist, against those who would say otherwise, that that Judas, our Lord desired that Judas go to heaven. But Judas chose, through his free will, to not enter into the kingdom of heaven. By betraying our Lord, he did not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that tell us? That tells us that we can lose our salvation because our Lord desires that all men be saved. He desires it. That does not mean that he has, has forced our hand because we can't force our way into heaven. Judas, our Lord had promised Judas. He promised that he among the 12, him among the 12 would sit on the 12 tribes and the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, but he lost that position. And that's why they had to choose a new apostle because if Judas had entered into the kingdom of heaven, he would have filled that seat in the kingdom of heaven. If when he committed suicide, he went to heaven, he would be on one of those seats. But because Judas did not enter the kingdom of heaven, because he went into hell, because he rejected our Lord and betrayed our Lord and did not repent for his sins and instead went into the sin of despair. Because of that, he does not sit on one of the 12 tribes, 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They had the other 11 apostles and they had to choose a new and 12th apostle. That's very important. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers and sisters or mo- father or mother or children or lands for the sake of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Notice here that our Lord says a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Why does he say this? Because you know, it's not communism. When you get to heaven, it's not a communist state, it's not going to be equal. Yes. If you forsake the things in this life, if you obey the commandments, if you do the will of God, you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But those who do more, more will be given because our Lord has asked us for greater things. He has given us the bare minimum. He says, okay, these are the things you got to do to get to bare minimum. Are you breaking the 10 commandments? Are you doing the examination of conscience. Are you going to receive the sacraments? Are you going to confession? Did you die in a state of sanctifying grace? If the answer is yes, well, then you enter into the kingdom of heaven. But those who have given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands, you know, what does this refer to? This is referring to primarily religious life. This is primarily referring to religious life. We talked about this yesterday as well. In religious life, you take these vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. I'm thinking of the great story of St. Louis de Mumford, another great Dominican, who whenever his mother was writing or his uh, family was writing to him saying that your mother is sick. Your mother is very ill. You need to come home. St. Louis de Mumford said, no. I have given myself to the mission of the church. I've given myself to this now. I do not have any property. Do not consider me dead at this point. I will not return home. And so what has he done? He has given up his houses. He has given up his brothers, his sisters. He has given up even his father and his mother. He has given up the opportunity, the chance of having children, the chance of owning land. Why did he do this? He did it for the sake of our Lord's name, the holy name of Jesus. And because of that, St. Louis de Mumford, well, he's a saint now. He's one of the greatest saints, a saint devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And as we said before, for men, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. So keep that in mind today. Reflect on this, reflect on this passage today, and we, after this break, we're going to be heading to a break in just a second, and after this break, we'll be jumping into the interview with Patrick Coffin. We talked about culture, we talked about uh, movies, we talked about uh, the sexual abuse scandals, we talked about the new moto proprio, tradizioni Custodis, we talked about a little bit of everything, so that'll be for the rest of the show, Patrick Coffin interview, and we'll even have... A little bit on the other side of the break because there will be no game show this week. There's no game show because this is actually a pre-recorded show. So don't call in during the second hour. We'll be back on Friday, and the game show will be back next week. So live show on Friday, live show all next week, and we will be back in studio uh, then. But for now, we have a pre-recorded show brand new content never before heard and we will be right back in just a moment so god bless you god love you don't go anywhere stay tuned and in about a minute and a half we will have patrick coffin on to talk about all things catholic all things culture so stay tuned and we'll be right back
0: It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with His divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to His sacred heart today.
1: I need a mercy. I need a Savior.
3: Be to God in all things. Patrick Coffin rejoins the program. It's been a long time since we had Patrick on. In fact, the, the last time we had him on, he he got us some copyright strikes across several of our YouTube channels. So uh, thanks for that, Patrick. You're you're a very nice guy.
4: You're welcome. I just ordered my unclean, unclean bell with the sign on your neck.
3: <laughs> you are yes. you are required to ring it in the presence of YouTubers, though. I guess.
4: <laughs> yes, especially the decision makers that violate their own policies. But hey, it's a private company, so you can do. Anything you want.
3: Yeah, I know, right?
4: uh, Being being, uh, canceled by YouTube is a a badge of honor. No problem.
3: (laughs) Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, PatrickCoffin.media is his website. Check him out if you haven't done so already. Uh, Incredible content. Uh, Wonderful community there on the inside. And uh, you'll find all of those details at PatrickCoffin.media. Let's start with censorship, if that's okay. Uh, You got deplatformed. You're an excellent example of that. Uh, and you weren't even doing something on the platform to, uh, to earn that. It was something happening off the platform. And we're seeing the rise of censorship, deplatforming, and uh, managing what gets said, how it gets said, and who gets to say it in the world today. And that is that is very frightening. Uh, what say you, Patrick Coffin?
4: I say that the people who run these private big tech companies Are afraid of adults having conversations. They want to stop the free flow of information, which is completely against the whole point of a little thing called the First Amendment. First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of press, doesn't mean freedom of accuracy. Obviously, I can start bloviating about all kinds of nonsense, which means no one's going to listen to me. It sort of, it sorts itself out. Uh, My permanent ban from YouTube did not come from me violating their terms of service. I signed on the line, which is dotted, to quote uh, Glenn Gray, Glenn Ross. And so I I own any mistake or any line crossing. And I've had a couple of warnings throughout the years from from YouTube. And I always knew where the line was, and I always respected it. If I want to stay on it, I have to abide by their rules. But when we launched the Truth Over Fear Summit, our second one in the first week of May this year, uh, just the existence on the internet of the website RestoreTheCulture.com, and you, you can find out the amazing 40 speakers that we collected for this summit, the largest of its kind in the world and the most banned, just launching RestoreTheCulture.com, that uh, within an hour we got an email from uh, YouTube saying, you are out of here, even though it's violating their own terms of service. But you kind of have to pick uh, you know, the location of your battle and how much bandwidth you want to use. I made the decision to just leave it there um, my show's available in other and other platforms and i don't want to keep battling my enemies i don't want to keep participating in this game of uh i call it the uh, bugs bunny sheepdog mm. remember there was an episode of uh, the of bugs bunny where the sheepdog and wiley e. coyote mm. every day they they punch their time clock in and one guy's job is to uh is to kill them and the other guy's job is to protect them and they're kind of this little little dance of agreement of what's going really going on and i i i don't want out i i want out so i uh i didn't do anything um i didn't do anything wrong and i I didn't do anything to fight it i just think figure fine you know Uh, i wonder why more catholics aren't being deplatformed frankly
3: well, because they they uh, they avoid the difficult topics, I imagine. But we here at the Catholic Drive Time we have one foot in both worlds. We have a foot in the radio world and we have a foot in the digital space. But uh, we're leaning heavily on the radio side still. We you know we haven't really made that shift in a in, a, in weight yet. And my point to bringing that up is well, part of me is really sad that the radio industry is declining the way it is, and. Um, that's because, one, I loved it. I grew up with uh, radio as uh, as uh, something that uh, I always felt was magical and special, and, and it's been an honor to work co- professionally in that. But more importantly, we've been able to talk about the issues in a way that can't be done in the digital world, uh, at least not without heavy censorship and problems. Um, to see radio and terrestrial communications decline and begin to go away and then be pushed into an all-digital world where, the people who own all of the keys aren't people on our side of the equation. That is really troubling, I think. And I think Catholics ought to be paying attention to that.
4: It's a double-edged sword. The digital revolution, thanks to the invention of the modem, has provided uh, incredible access to anyone who wants to buy a microphone and get a you know half-decent light. That's the <laughs> upside. The downside is... Everyone can do that, which means you've got a, a whole uh, flood tide of content to, to pick and choose from. Uh, I'm very heartened at the rise of Gab and Rumble and Odyssey and BitChute and Brighteon. These are all platforms that have the same basic technology, but without the top-heavy censorship spirit. So uh, I'm on I'm on Gab. I'm on uh, Rumble, and uh, I think you're going to see even more alternative means of getting information out that. Uh, avoid the gatekeepers and i agree with you about radio radio is is the invention that had the most effect on humanity as far as communication go most people say well the invention of the tv the invention of the internet no radio is the king everything else is a subset of the wireless radio and when marconi for the first time when he was 16 years old made a a a signal from one part of his foyer in his house to another without any wires. That was Promethean fire because for the first time in human history, and the the technology in the early thirties jumped by leaps and bounds every year. There was a new record broken. Um, For the first time in history, place didn't matter. Yeah. In St. Paul's day, you had to be within ear, earshot of of St. Paul. You couldn't hear him. So the show we're doing right now probably reaches more people than St. Paul's entire career. Ouch! <laughs> because yeah. so now we're we're able to do what Jesus said the church would do in Matthew twenty-eight to teach all nations. All nations now have access to the conversation we're having and that people are listening to, thanks to the wireless radio.
1: Yeah, that's so that's it's pretty amazing, and it kind of reminds me of the uh, kind of the situation in Rome of uh, whenever popes when the radio was invented and television was invented, they were able to give blessings through the radio, and that that was kind of mind blowing. Um, it still is kind of mind blowing to see that you can like transfer blessings via radio waves across the world, and that that situation uniting Catholics in that way has it's it's quite remarkable. But into the same topic, you talked about how the free exchange of ideas that needs to happen, and the the kind of the good ideas and the bad ideas will kind of battle it out. At the same time, uh, what do you think of the? catholic idea or the idea in catholic nations even though i know we're in the united states we're not a catholic nation but in catholic nations that censorship is not necessarily a bad thing i mean we in america used to censor communism we used to censor uh seditious acts seditious comments things like that so how what what do people how do you respond to the argument that you know yes we have freedom of speech but your speech is not protected because your speech is hate speech this
4: is the uh, the nub of it. Uh, by the way, Joe, I don't know who that discarnate voice belonged to, but I'm sure it's part of your team.
3: <laughs> Adrian, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Adrian. Yeah, uh, uh, Nat Hentoff, the late uh, Jewish atheist writer for The Village Voice, wrote a, a, a terrific book called uh, Free Speech for Me, but Not for Thee. Mm. Every culture, every society, every group of grouping of human beings is going to have a taboo topic that someone does not want to hear about. Uh, the Catholic Church has a, a rather finessed position on censorship, and it's not an intrinsic evil. We don't have movies uh, glorifying uh, attacks on children. We don't give awards for people who are cowards. Um, you can't say fire in a in a crowded uh, theater. So free speech is not subject to absolutely no limitations. Every right that we have has, has some dilution to it. You know, my Uh, my the the freedom of my fist stops at your face right (laughs) so then it becomes what ideas are dangerous what ideas should be subject to public debate and which ones should be shut down Um, i think we can all agree that some worldviews some messages are worthy of censorship Mm. and and let's have that conversation what what ideas are dangerous what can incite actual crime um, or, or encourage some uh, something gravely sinful and what isn't. My favorite example of this is how the Catholic Church from 1931 until 1966 there was a, a series of protocols in Hollywood that governed the content of movies and television. It was called the Hayes Production Code <laughs> It later became known as the Breen Office after Joseph Breen who took over from Willie Hayes who was a postmaster general and that, that uh, effort in league with the legion of decency is re- is responsible for what we call the best movies ever made the golden age of theater from the thirties until uh, of the movies of the cinema rather from 1931 until 1966 when Jack Valenti, a, la- a lapsed Catholic took it all apart through a movie called uh, the, the pawnbroker. That's a- another story for another day, but, um, how it worked was wasn't censorship. It was, Catholic churches across the country had posted in the in the vestibule of the church a list of movies that the Legion of Decency had drawn up as being morally offensive. And after Mass, just the way we do today in some parishes where you say the St. Saint, Saint Michael prayer, they would pledge, we will not see these movies. Wow. They trusted the people who, who uh, did the heavy lifting of viewing all the crapola. And we're talking, you know, think of how comparatively benign some of the content was that would have made it onto that list. However, that forced Hollywood, because they're businessmen, right? They're not just artists or missionaries. They want to make money. Mm. And so when their customer base threatened to not give them money, that's an an ongoing um, warning to them. Look, you can't have ministers of religion look like idiots. You can't have someone who commits crime get away with it. Um, And so... It's not that there was no such thing as an ambiguous ending, because at the same time, while you had the It's a Wonderful Life and the um, Singing in the Rains, you also had the rise of film noir in the same era. And film noir is very often dark content. There's an ambiguous kind of anti-hero. And I think uh, I I'd like to see it come back. I don't know if there's the, the cultural support for that anymore, but I like the idea of the gatekeeper is actually the customer. It's not the owner of a company like YouTube. It's not someone who's a big tech oligarch trying to control and corral the free flow of ideas. It's the customers saying, we're done. We're not going to do this.
1: You know, that's true. You know, I'm, I, I love uh, movies and I know you do as well. And uh, I was thinking of a couple of things here. One is the Italian film that was a love letter to uh, movies, to cinema. I can't think of the name at the moment. And it's uh, in it. I got it. You got
0: it? Yes,
1: exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. And he, in it, it t- has the priest literally cutting out offensive parts of the movie <laughs> before people are allowed to watch it. And he watches it on his own beforehand. And that's, a, that's amazing. Um, but in the US, it seems like we're in a situation now where the big tech oligarchs, the people who own Hollywood, all these things are so wealthy that they don't care anymore about what we want or not want. They're going to do it anyways, and we're going to buy it anyways. We're still going to get our Disney Plus account. We're still going to get our Netflix. And they're going to use the good movies that, that people like, uh, the, um, the next Marvel movie, they're going to use the money they made for that to make their, their dream movies about homosexual kittens. I have no idea. Um, but these are the, uh, <laughs> Don't these, give them, agent, don't what? give them <laughs> ideas. <laughs> what are you talking but, uh, about? That movie came a- out last week. <laughs> uh, what? You're so behind <laughs> the times it was called fluffy the return right right so but how do we so you have this idea is great but how do we respond now that nobody cares what we think anymore don't go anywhere we're going to break and we'll be right back with the rest of this interview with patrick coffin before you know it so don't go anywhere patrick coffin is back on to talk about the culture talk about everything we cover things from cuba to uh, media to movies everything in between uh with patrick coffin coming up right after this break
0: The Catechism defines an indulgence as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. But is it biblical to say punishment remains after God has forgiven our sins and that we can do something to satisfy it? I think it is. For example, David is forgiven of his sin in 2 Samuel 12, but yet must suffer the death of his son. Even Jesus teaches in Luke 12 that the servant who sins without full knowledge will be punished but in a lesser degree. It is such temporal consequences that indulgences remit. Exercising her power to bind and loose, the church grants indulgences to help her children heed St. Paul's exhortation in Philippians 2.12, Work Out Your Salvation. So, is the Catholic understanding of an indulgence biblical? You bet it is. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com.
1: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Bay Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. uh, Don't give them agents. What What are you talking about? uh, That movie came
3: out last week.
1: Uh,
4: (laughs) You're so behind the times. It was called Fluffy the Return.
1: Right, right. So, but how do we? So, uh, you have this idea is great, but uh, how do we respond now that nobody cares what we think anymore?
4: Start making your own movies. Yeah. Go to film
3: school. Mm. But you know the real the real issue though is uh, making movies is not easy, and obviously the professionals are professionals for a reason. But I think the real hinge in that conversation is not the making of the movie as much as the distribution of the movie. Another area in which they have all of the keys... Uh, For instance, uh, you know, so many movie makers are going not into screen, but they're now going straight to digital release and Prime and Netflix and and whatnot. And so the the days of movie theater releases are almost past us. In fact, I saw there was a film coming out. uh, Is it Matt Damon, maybe, that the last duel might have been where they are specifically saying only available in the theaters because they're trying to get people back. And I bring that up to point this out as as, as Catholics who want to make films, even at the most highest quality possible level, uh, we would struggle to find distribution if our films did not meet the approved uh, narrative. What say you, Patrick Coffin?
4: I think you're pointing out a real problem, Joe, uh, because you can have the greatest film in the world and you can film it using the best actors and the best food by the caterers. However, there's still one more layer of gatekeeper out there, and that is the distributors. And if they don't like your film, they're going to put up roadblocks, even if it means they're not going to make money. And, and my, I think the classic example of that is a guy by the name of Mel Gibson Mm. who wrote a movie with, with uh, Benedict Fitzgerald called the passion of the Christ. It's a a worldwide phenom. That movie did so much for Christian audiences. First of all, it exposed that they exist and that they want face, faith-based content. Um, and it was also a lesson for people who, who are trying to break in. Mel Gibson, A-list guy with like 30 years of experience, came up against one, up against one brick wall after another with this uh, with this film. And it was all on distribution. So we had to hire a really small one, um, kind of an outsider fighting group called New Market, and they brought it into the market. And the audience chased after that movie. They didn't have to go and chase after it. That was the first time where a, a movie like this uh, through grassroots marketing, um, it's it's the cinematic version of of the the incident in um, Field of Dreams. Mm. They built it, and and the audience came. So then it come, Then it becomes: Can Christians or 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 liberals who with brains or or conservatives who love films, can they build their own distribution center? Can they can they replicate what they're trying to do at PureFlix? Now, I, have, I happen to not like explicitly Christian films. I, I'm glad they exist. I hope they make a billion dollars. But I don't think they move the needle outside that, that church viewing yeah. um, sphere. You know.
3: Have you seen VidAngel? Are you familiar with VidAngel? I'm very
4: familiar with VidAngel, and it's absolutely brilliant. What do you want to just explain what VidAngel is? So, in fact, we interviewed the CEO of VidAngel
3: not all that long ago. It's a product that my family has been using now for years. Uh, it originally started to filter pra- movies that we could rent in those days back on the Google Play Store. Uh, but they were sued by disney and and a couple of others, and uh, they lost, and they had to pay a bunch of money and they went through a, a sort of a restructuring and Now you can filter some films and and TV shows off of Netflix or Prime or some others. Uh, we still use the product. But what's interesting to me, one of the latest additions to their sort of uh, their menu offering is they want to support small uh, movie makers, small filmmakers. And so they give you an opportunity. It's kind of like uh, you know what uh, Uber is to ride share. VidAngel might be to small filmmakers who are trying to not only make their films, but find distribution as well. So there might mm-hmm. be an opportunity there, but what 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 gets me as a Catholic, see, VidAngel's Mormon, right? It's, uh, yeah. it's funded by Mormons, it's run by Mormons, uh, we still use the product of my house, however, like all of these uh, Catholics in the world who have great financial resources, and yet they've never come together, and they've never built a data center that uh, provides an opportunity for for Catholics to ensure we have a future with digital product uh hosting or delivery email services text services website services so that when the gatekeepers of the internet say no you're not allowed here anymore they ensure that the catholic organizations can continue to operate that just does not exist but look at the mormons they're getting behind it they make it happen why can't we do that
4: uh that is a great rhetorical question um (laughs) i admire what they've done mormons are very mormons more here's the one difference between Mormons and Catholics is that Mormons support each other. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Mormons, Mormons are like blonde, blue eyed Jews in that way. Uh, there's a book called an empire of their own by Neil Gabler, uh, a Jewish writer. He's a former pundit on Fox news. And the subtitle is how the Jews invented Hollywood. And they, uh, they have a sense of, uh, of being a, a beleaguered minority Catholics in Hollywood really don't do that. they, it's a strange thing. Every Catholic I know in the industry has—they roll their eyes how Catholics are slow to to reach out and and join arms with fellow Catholics to build something. Um, but the the vidAngel idea is really something else. Where uh, you mentioned their first lawsuit that they lost because the artists. Really need that many f bombs and that many <laughs> yeah, sex scenes exactly for it to be just so it. perfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So they bought the rights to the film. So you you buy you buy as I understand how it works, you buy the film, and then you sell it back to them, and it works out to be the, the that was the
3: original the version, but that no Is longer that the what's
4: that so no what's, the, works new, that what's way. the new one? How how can you filter out f bombs and uh, yeah, new-
3: and it's all so it used to be exactly as you state. I would rent a film from. Google or Apple. And now because I rented it, I have some control over that process legally and therefore I could filter. Well, they got sued. That's now no longer the case. The way it works now is I connect my vidangel account to my Netflix or my prime account or HBO, those kinds of things, those subscription accounts. So I connect these in the app and then whatever is legally allowed and available, uh, in their, in their menu of, f- of films, I can then filter and watch filtered. So not everything can be filtered. Only, it's like no Disney products can be on there. There's a couple of other big studios that that also sued them. Uh, but there's still quite a bit of content that is available to be filtered. Uh, I don't have a Netflix subscription. I canceled them, but I do honestly have a Prime account still. Uh, So we watch those get to space. Yeah, we For instance, we watched uh, uh, Chris, uh, not Chris Hemsworth, but uh, who is the um, Chris Evans, Chris Evans. We watched his latest film, The Tomorrow War. I watched it on filter. Uh, I love that opportunity, yeah, I cut out the fat, uh, cut out cursing, blasphemy, sex, you know some violence, or whatever, and just watch the plot. I love that that 's amazing there 's films that become available to my children that <clears throat> were not otherwise available because of this excessive stuff uh, it 's a great concept, but I think also, and more importantly, the ability to to help and support small content creators so filmmakers create something special, and then find distribution in addition to funding. Like, we ought to be, as a community, providing for that opportunity. But as you state, we don't really work well with each other. We don't, you know, this is my egg, stay away, you do your thing, I do my thing. And because we are divided that way, we will never, in my opinion, find the kind of distribution necessary to create successful economy that will, that will provide for the kinds of films that will entertain and inspire or
4: what have you. Yep, 105%.
3: Let's switch a little bit to talking somewhat uh, uh, parallel to this or related to this uh, in regards to censorship. And that is uh, spying, blackmail, and the use of our personal data. We saw out of the pillar this last week and a half uh, some major stories drop that are rocking the Catholic world right now. Uh, Monsignor Burrell out of the USACB uh, stepped down because it, it was discovered and verified through the Pillar investigation that his phone was used on the Grinder hookup app. And they further released in the same investigation that uh, there were, I think it was as much as 16 phones inside the Vatican, not in public spaces, but in the offices and buildings that no none of the public can get to those phones were being used on hookup apps to include Grindr and others. Uh, And it illustrated in the report that these apps in the terms of service clearly state that your data is not going to be held private or, or it could be used to sell it to third parties or in fact, in the case of Grindr, being owned by China up until last year, given to the spy agencies in China. I mean, it's a major source of... Of a, of a blackmail opportunity, spying opportunity, just at the surface level, let alone the scandal caused by all of these people. What do you say about all that?
4: I just did a, uh, somewhat of a deep dive in uh, the Coffin Report inside CoffinNation.com on this very, very question. Not only the means that were used to expose these uh, double-life homosexual. Uh, clergy, but also the, the reaction among the Catholic media sphere to that activity. Mm-hmm. Um, the the bishop of uh, Monsignor Burrow is William Callahan, who's the, he's a, he was ordained in the, in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And the day that it broke, he wrote a letter to his priest, which I obtained and then talk about, in which he casts some doubt on whether or not, quote, our brother Jeff even did anything uh, immoral.
1: Praise be to Jesus Christ. If you want to hear the rest of that interview after this break, you can tune in. Stay here. We'll be right back right after this break with Patrick Coffin talking about the culture, talking about the media, talking about uh, the scandals in the church. Everything is coming up with Patrick Coffin before and after this break. Uh, We covered him in the last segment. We're going to be having the next segment. And we might even have him over for the segment after this. This is a pre-recorded show, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this break.
2: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I want a religion that is not so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says a religion that is not dogmatic is not a religion. A religion means something that commits a man to some doctrine about the universe. Anyone who believes anything is dogmatic. In fact, Chesterton says a teacher who is not dogmatic is not teaching anything. And if you think about it, a doctor who's not dogmatic is not who you want prescribing medicine or performing surgery. An auto mechanic who's not dogmatic is not going to be able to fix your carburetor. We want professionals to have specific training, but specific training means embracing very specific ideas. And yet we want a religion that is not dogmatic, as if standing before God is less important than repairing our car. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton dot org.
4: And the day that it broke, he wrote a letter to his priest, which I obtained and then talk about, in which he casts some doubt on whether or not quote our brother Jeff even did anything uh, immoral. Wow! As though, as though, oh, he's on Grinder, but they just met to play Scrabble. It was purely, <laughs> it was a misunderstanding. Whoops! Yeah. I, I downloaded a gay a gay troll app. Except that he did it daily for years. As the great Thomas Aquinas said, sin makes you stupid. Mm-hmm. If you sign up for something and you have to sign, again, on the line which is dotted, where your data is not private, it's not in a, in a Fort Knox um, privacy bubble, then you have to dance with who you. And if it's immoral to expose people who are, are committing at least canonical crimes, we don't know if there are minors involved. That's another thing that uh, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Archbishop uh, Jose Gomez, in his statement, said that, well, there was doesn't involve minors. How does he know? And People even if who are it out did. of the gay lifestyle, they say this. The sex trafficking happens on, on Grindr and Tinder. Uh, minors pretend to be older than they are. Yeah. This is a, a common thing. The Bishop's own John Jay report found that between 1950 and now, 81% of what we call sex abuse cases are homosexual predators with teen boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't know if minors were involved. I pray not, but you can't categorically say it at the outset... that's not going
3: on 99% of McCarrick's victims were not minors. They were seminarians. They were young men. Uh, He got busted on the minor, but that was a very, very, very small percentage of his victims. The vast majority were, were adult male, but there's the rub, isn't it? So long as they're not minors. Well, then what are we talking about here? Right? It's adult consensual. How bad could this be? Like, where's the, where is the outrage? Just that alone. Like, it you is just, not okay mm-hmm. that, uh, that clergy members are hooking up on grinder with adults. It would be worse if they were minors, but it's still not okay. But there seems to be so, some sort of a quiet, uh, uh, you know, acceptance of this, a normalization. Yeah.
4: You play poker, Joe, or Adrian? No. Not too much. Texas Hold'em. Okay. You play Texas Hold'em. So you know what a tell is? Yes, sir. The statement, well, minors weren't involved, is a tell. Mm. and what it tells me is a higher proportion than Catholics want to admit of our bishops are homosexual Mm -hmm. and their concern is not with sodomy it's not with sin scandal lives ruined it's with the law well they weren't minors they had they had this uh the age was was uh was not catastrophic yes i don't know how else to interpret a comment like that because it's it's designed to minimize and deflect yeah,
1: yeah. there's a number of number of things we can go from there. And one thing I was thinking of, or two things I was thinking of, one is the uh, I've been reading the Book of Gomorrah recently by St. Mm-hmm. Peter Damien, and it's it's quite, it's, where is the Peter Damians today? Where is the bishops that are standing up? There are plenty of bishops saying things about a lot of different subjects, but, you know, the real issue here is the sodomy. Yes, the Latin Mass is incredibly important. I attend Latin Mass every Sunday, um, and I think it's incredibly important. but In reality, the biggest issue today is the sodomy that's happening among the hierarchy, and it was happening in Peter Damien's day too. And so, the I guess the two questions that I have is how is this the biggest issue? What is the biggest issue now? And the second question being, among Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, there was huge backlash against the pillar and said, this is a sin of detraction. He was already punished. We should not have revealed this. Uh, where is the line for reporters uh, and, t- and commentators on talking about these kind of things?
4: I think uh, as long as you're not sinning yourself or doing something illegal, if you're trying to get to the truth of someone's corruption, and remember... Monsignor Burrell was not a priest out in uh, in Bohunk, northern Indiana. He was a formator at the National uh, North American College. He had oversight over young, vulnerable, often naive seminarians under his care. This is the guy that is allowed to rise so high, the highest ranking cleric who's not a bishop in the United States, which raises the question, What did he get that far in spite of his gay proclivities, or it was it an open secret that he's one of us, and therefore we're going to promote him because he comes from the um, he comes from the mold of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." Uh, this week, I, I interviewed an attorney named Raymond Belair. Uh, he, Raymond is representing former seminarian from New York uh, Archdiocese Anthony Gorgia, who was removed from the NAC. Uh, two years back, for being heterosexual and not wanting to be groomed by the, the gay overlords who uh, who run the seminary, $125 million uh, tort, the largest of its kind in the United States. You probably didn't hear about it in the Catholic news, but it's a very, very important case because Anthony Gorgia is standing up for and kind of representing the hundreds through the years, the thousands of seminarians since the 70s, Who've been kicked out. It's all told in Michael's, uh, Michael Rose's book, Goodbye, Good Men. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Gorge is the first one to stand up and say, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go along with this anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight back. You can't ruin people's lives because they don't want to join the Lavender Mafia. Uh, and by the way, Monsignor Burl uh, has a pretty cushy situation, as, as at least he did as of last week with the, f- the pastor of Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Potomac, Maryland, in the diocese, Archdiocese of Washington, <clears throat> pardon me, um, allowed him to be the visiting summer presider hmm. at the parish. The pastor is Father Charles Antonin Shelley, who is the uh, longtime escort slash assistant slash secretary of Uncle Ted McCarrick. Wow, Before wow. that, he was the enabler and defender of Cardinal World. So, nothing changes it's just yeah. you know whack-a-mole with these people there doesn't seem to be any calling to account
3: you know that's part of the problem is most lay folks are maybe not most but there's a great number of lay people that are waking up and they're just you know they're not rad trads they're not uh, they're not deep and connected in all of these stories and know all the details they're just tired of the shenanigans you know they just want, you know, they want to know that their priest is madly in love with the, with Christ and with his church and is sold out for the faith, even to the point of martyrdom possibly. Uh yeah. that's really what they want to know. And then otherwise they're just trying to get on with their lives every day and and it just seems like there's such tone deafness from uh the hierarchy in general about this, the 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 how tired we are to the constant scandal, one after another, after another, mm-hmm. after and it seems never ending. But I want to switch a little bit topics here, keep us on track. We're talking to Patrick Coffin. Patrick Coffin Media. is his website. Patrick Coffin Media. Um, let's go back to the data for a second. Again, Grinder was owned. Was forced to sell. Uh, but it was owned by a Chinese company, and according to Chinese law, all of their data uh, app companies, web companies, internet companies, are required to share their data back with the Chinese intelligence. So you've got all these phones at the Vatican active on Grindr, as well as a couple of other apps. One was owned by a Russian company, if I'm not mistaken. Um, How much of a risk was there? Is this at all related to the China's Vatican, uh, the the, the Vatican uh, deal that they made with China that allowed the communist party to have a role in picking bishops? I mean, do you see a connection in all that?
4: I feel like writing a book called, You Think? (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that the the vulnerability to blackmail is a a key driver in disastrous uh, concordance as was signed with the, the Vatican and the CCP back in 2018, there's no question that if you have high ranking prelates who are uh, seeking anonymous gay sex uh, and they're vulnerable to blackmail, they're going to be very, very manipulable at the bargaining table mm. and they're, they they do not want to have their cushy Roman apartment lifestyle threatened. They want access to the gay orgies in the CDF offices. I mean, I'm losing my lunch just talking about this. I can't believe we're, we're, we're at this point. But um, certainly that kind of uh, CCP infiltration is very useful for the communists uh, who see the biggest threat to communism is not Little Patrick Coffin or some conservative writer here and there. It's the Catholic Church because communism is a fake version of Catholicism. It twists what sounds like Christian ideals, like you see this in the first couple of chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, where the apostles shared everything in common. Oh, look, communists say, this is like Marx. uh, To each according to his ability, from each according to his need. See, we're just like you. Let's extend the hand and join with you uh, Catholics to fight oppressive structures, blah, blah, blah. So the big stick in the mud against the movement to worldwide communist domination is the Catholic Church. We're the only institution. We're the oldest, we're the strongest, and we have the most articulate objections to what's wrong with communism from every possible angle. Until the papacy of Pope Francis, and then that, that resolve began to buckle, and people with communistic sympathies began to be promoted, and the clarity that uh, Catholics have come to expect for generations on the question of communism began to diminish, and actually didn't, I don't want to blame Pope Francis too much here, because it actually started in the early 60s with the decision of the council fathers to not condemn communism, mm. There's not a line of condemnation of communism in, in the Vatican uh, second Vatican council documents. There's a footnote in, I believe Gaudium et Spes, but there were schemas presented to the church fathers and it's not that they were edited and, and uh, kind of watered down. They were not even considered, which is counterintuitive to say the least, since there were cardinals, priests, bishops, and Catholic laymen in communist prisons in the sixties, suffering for Christ in the faith. So, that ambiguity that got weaponized is um, mm. is becoming more to the, more more in the uh, in the on the front burner under Francis. But that was a long winded way of saying, um, I I think yes, the the notion of a honeypot is not just uh, sexy Russian spies.
3: Well, we all down. remember we all remember the story of uh, of uh, John Paul II, Carol Wojtyla's uh, confessional being bugged by the KGB.
1: Oh, we left you on a cliffhanger, praise be to God, but don't worry. And the next hour, we will have the rest of this interview. So if you can stick around, if you're listening on the GRN, you can stick around and listen to the rest of the interview on the other side of this uh, short break. If you're listening from Station of the Cross, you can tune in with the Guadalupe Radio Network app or go to jrnonline.com forward slash cdt to hear the rest of the interview if not it'll be on YouTube eventually in a couple weeks Uh, so if you can wait and hear the rest of that interview at the next uh, and maybe a week or two but Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us. So we'll be back tomorrow with more pre-recorded shows. So stay tuned and uh, don't go anywhere. 6 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Eastern. So tune in. Next uh, tomorrow, we'll be talking to Gabriel Castillo about raising Catholic families. How do you raise Catholic families? And some great advice that I wish uh, that uh, that my parents would have heard. Because you know, you know, I call my parents out a couple of times. you not. Don't tell my mom. Don't tell her. But she uh, she might be listening. I'm not sure. We'll find out. Anyways, God bless, God love you, and we'll see you on the other side of this break.
5: Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired.
0: Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station.
2: Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com
5: forward slash catholic.
3: Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash
5: Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet.
0: Bye now, and God love you. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshipping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god?
5: In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshipping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshipping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true god by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their god. That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven just as the fact that there is a false god does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false god when we call our father in heaven, God. And there is a true queen of heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12, verse one. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Let's see, there's a woman, she's in heaven, and she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true Queen of Heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary, we honor her just as Jesus honors her. So there is absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the Queen of Heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the King, then Mary is truly the Queen Mother of Heaven. A beacon
0: of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
3: thank you again welcome to your catholic drive time
0: keeping
4: you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him
0: getting you
2: started on your day
0: with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to
1: the white house and everything
0: in between
2: it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now
1: here's your host joe mcclain praise be to jesus christ And this is not Joe McLean. This is Adrian Fonseca, your producer for Catholic Drive Time. And today we're having a pre-recorded show. So no show today. And uh, don't worry, though. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled live programming. But that means no game show. So don't call in. We don't have a prize for you this week. But we will next week. So get your numbers ready. You can go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt and get all that information there. Because the game show will resume next week. But for today, we will finish the interview with Patrick Coffin that we were airing during the last hour. If you missed that, you can go check that out on our podcast feed. You can check it out on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And then we'll do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and uh, our reflection on the gospel. And after that, we would jump into the interview with Patrick Coffin. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The saint of the day is Saint Hyacinth. Saint Hyacinth, the glorious apostle of Poland and Russia, was born of noble parents in Poland. About the year 1185, his early education was entrusted to the care of his uncle, a pious priest who later became the Bishop of Krakow. Hyacinth manifested so much learning and piety that he was sent to complete his studies at the best universities in Europe. In 1220, he visited Rome and while there met Saint Dominic himself he became one of the first members of the newly founded Dominican order. Because of his spirit of prayer and his zeal for the salvation of souls, he was sent to preach and establish the Dominican order in his native land, Poland. He journeyed also to Austria, Bohemia and the shores of the black sea and eventually on to China, Sweden and Norway because of his evangelizing. Multitudes were converted and churches and convents were built. He worked numerous miracles and at Krakow, he raised a dead youth to life. He inherited from St. Dominic a childlike and tender devotion to the mother of God. To her, he attributed his, his success, and to her aid, he looked for his salvation. When St. Hyacinth was at Kiev, the fierce Tartars attacked, sacked the town, but it was only as he finished Mass that he heard of the danger. Without waiting to invest, he took the ciborium in his hand and was fleeing the church. It was recorded that as he passed by an image of Mary, he heard a voice say, Hyacinth, My son, why why dost thou leave me behind? Take me with thee, and leave me not to mine enemies. Although the statue was heavy alabaster, when Hyacinth took it in his arms, it was light as a reed. With the blessed sacrament and the image of Mary, he came to the river of Dnieper and walked over the surface of the waters. Worn out by his constant labors and vast journeys, Hyacinth spent the last few months of his life in a convent he had founded at Krakow. There, on the feast of Saint Dominic, 1257, he fell sick with a fever that was terminate to in his that terminates his le- earthly life. On the eve of the feast of the Assumption, he was warned of his coming death. In spite of his condition, he celebrated the Mass of the feast day. As a dying man, he was anointed at the altar and died the same day in 1257. He was canonized in 1594 by Pope Clement XIII. by the Pope Clement the. 8th, sorry, Pope Clement the 8th, and the feast day of St. Hyacinth, Hyacinth is celebrated today, August 17th. A prayer to St. Hyacinth, O oh, Holy St. Hyacinth, patron of our church, we ask you to intercede for us and win God's blessing. We come together as a family to bring praise and worship to the Father. May we live lives that are wor- holy and worthy of the name Christian. Bless us with your devotion to Mary, the mother of God, and with an ardent faith in Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Win for us the grace to continue to live according to gospel values and the teachings of the church. Intercede for us to protect us as we place ourselves under the patronage and care. The gospel today is from the uh, the 19th chapter of Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for men, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. Then Peter said to him in reply, we have given up everything and followed you. What will there be for us? Jesus said to them, amen, I say to you, that you who have followed me in the new age, when the son of man is seated on his throne of glory, will yourselves sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for the sake of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Uh, the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ. That through the gospel today, is inspired or was uh, sponsored by veraboom.com forward slash CDT. So thank you veraboom.com forward slash CDT for generously underwriting the gospel of the day. There is a lot to unpack for the gospel today. There's so much here. And one thing that we can talk about is the eye of the needle. This is a commonly debated uh, verse in the scriptures. What does our Lord mean when he says that it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one man who is rich to enter the kingdom of God? Well, some scholars say uh, our Lord is being, uh, using, making an analogy. He's, not, he's speaking an exaggerated language. He's not saying literally stick a uh, camel through the eye of a needle. Instead, you know, he means it's really difficult. Like just how, like the camel is the biggest animal that they've ever seen before. And this camel cannot fit through an eye of a needle to, you know, sewing clothes. So therefore, it is almost impossible to enter the kingdom of God. Because, you know, our Lord says immediately after, because they're saying, is it possible? is it possible for people to be saved? And our Lord said for men, this is impossible. So it's not hard. It's not difficult. It doesn't take a lot of work. You know, you don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You just got to put in a few extra hours, you know, spend an extra time at the, and the at mass, go to more masses, say more rosaries, and then you've earned heaven. No, for men, this is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. And so if we rely on the grace of our lady, if we rely on the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, only then may we enter into the kingdom of God. Because can God put a camel through the eye of a needle? Of course he can. He's God. He can shrink down the camel, put it through the eye of the needle. He can grow the eye of the needle and have the camel fit in it. Now some people will say, "No, you know, you got to look at this historically, and you know there might have been a passage in the uh, in the old wall over in, in Jerusalem that you would have to get a camel, put him on his knees, and drag him through, and that's what they mean by a camel through the eye of the needle." Well, I mean, okay, maybe, maybe that's true. Uh, we don't know. Uh, some scholars will say, "Now, actually, that uh, that gate that they claim to have was not around when our Lord was alive; that came later, and so maybe that's not what it is." And so maybe that gets the name more from the scripture passages than the other way around. And so there's a kind of debate on that po- topic. So the point being, it is impossible to get to heaven without the grace of our Lord and our lady. Very important. Very, very important. And then what's next? It says, our Lord says, Jesus said to them, amen. I say to you that you who have followed me in the new age, when the son of man is seated on his throne of glory, will yourself sit on 12 thrones? What is our Lord saying here? He's saying in the kingdom of heaven. That the Son of Man will have seated the 12 apostles. So, you know, we have different senses of scripture. We have the sense that's literal to the audience at the time. And our Lord is speaking directly to the apostles. He's not speaking to us. We were not going to be the 12, uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's not going to be us. That's going to be the apostles. And the apostles will be there at the judgment seat. What is happening here? Our Lord is showing again. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. There's a hierarchy in the faith. There's a hierarchy in heaven. And the 12 apostles have been promised. And, you know, Judas here is actually one of the 12 that he's referring to. And, you know, this actually shows against the Calvinist, against those who would say otherwise, that that Judas, our Lord desired that Judas go to heaven. But Judas chose through his free will to not enter into the kingdom of heaven by betraying our Lord. He did not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that tell us? That tells us that we can lose our salvation because our Lord desires that all men be saved. He desires it. That does not mean that he has, has forced our hand because we can't force our way into heaven. Judas, our Lord had promised Judas. He promised that he among the 12, him among the 12 would sit on the 12 tribes and the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. But he lost that position. And that's why they had to choose a new apostle. Because if Judas had entered into the kingdom of heaven, he would have filled that seat in the kingdom of heaven. If when he committed suicide, he went to heaven, he would be on one of those seats. But because Judas did not enter the kingdom of heaven, because he went into hell, because he rejected our Lord and betrayed our Lord and did not repent for his sins and instead went into the sin of despair because of that, he does not sit in on one of the 12 tribes, 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They had the other 11 apostles and they had to choose a new and 12th apostle. That's very important. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers and sisters or mother, father or mother or children or lands, for the sake of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Notice here that our Lord says a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Why does he say this? Because, you know, it's not communism. When you get to heaven, it's not a communist state. It's not going to be equal. Yes, if you forsake the things in this life, if you obey the commandments, if you do the will of God, you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But those who do more, more will be given because our Lord has asked us for greater things. He has given us the bare minimum. He says, okay, these are the things you got to do to get to the bare minimum. Are you breaking the Ten Commandments? You're doing the examination of conscience. Are you going to receive the sacraments? Are you going to confession? Did you die in a state of sanctifying grace? If the answer is yes, well, then you enter into the kingdom of heaven. But those who have given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands, you know, what does this refer to? This is referring to primarily religious life. This is primarily referring to religious life. We talked about this yesterday as well. In religious life. You take these vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. I'm thinking of the great story of St. Louis de Mumford, another great Dominican, who whenever his mother was writing or his uh, family was writing to him saying that your mother is sick. Your mother is very ill. You need to come home. St. Louis de Mumford said, no. I have given myself to the mission of the church. I've given myself to this now. I do not have any property. Do not consider me dead at this point. I will not return home. And so what has he done? He has given up his houses. He has given up his brothers, his sisters. He has given up even his father and his mother. He has given up the opportunity, the chance of having children, the chance of owning land. Why did he do this? He did it for the sake of our Lord's name, the holy name of Jesus. And because of that, St. Louis de Mumford, well, he's a saint now. He's one of the greatest saints, a saint devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And as we said before, for men, this is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. So keep that in mind today, reflect on this, reflect on this passage today, and we, after this break, we're going to be heading to a break in just a second, and after this break we'll be jumping into the interview with Patrick Coffin. We talked about culture, we talked about uh, movies, we talked about uh, the sexual abuse scandals, we talked about the new moto proprio, tradizioni Custodis, we talked about a little bit of everything. So that'll be for the rest of the show, Patrick Coffin interview, and we'll even have a little bit on the other side of the break because there will be no game show this week. There's no game show because this is actually a pre-recorded show. So, don't call in during the second hour. We'll be back on Friday, and the game show will be back next week. So, live show on Friday, live show all next week, and we will be back in studio uh, then. But for now, we have a pre-recorded show, brand new content, never before heard, and we will be right back in just a moment. So, God bless you. God love you. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. and In about a minute and a half, we will have Patrick coffin on and talk about all things Catholic, all things culture. So stay tuned, we'll be right back.
0: It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with His divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to His sacred heart today. I need a mercy I need a Savior
4: Um, I, I think, yes, the, the notion of a honeypot is not just uh, sexy Russian spies. Well, we all, remember,
3: we all remember the story of, uh, of uh, John Paul II, Carol Vuktiwa's uh, confessional being bugged by the KGB. I mean, it's, I find it fascinating, even in um, George Weigel, in his book, The End and the Beginning... Even he admits that uh, the church, the JP2, knew that he had cardinals and archbishops on the take of the KGB, working in his own curia. He knew this existed. He didn't seem to be interested in putting a stop to it. Um, but it takes me back to why Our Lady in 1917 warned us. About the spread of the errors out of Russia and the spread of communism, and there's this saying, you know, so goes the church, so goes the world. Uh, right now, Cuba, we got f- people in Cuba rallying and and uh, and calling for freedom they want an end to communism in their country uh we have a, an administration who is letting tens of thousands of migrants to come across the border in the south some of which are from south america mexico but a lot of people also coming from africa through that gate uh they're welcome to come into our country they're not stopped i mean it, there's, it's a mess uh and yet today there's a report he sent 27 cubans back to cuba uh, because he won't, ha- he won't let them in. So mm-hmm. help us understand here, why does it seem, I mean, you have, uh, you have congressmen who are openly uh, embracing socialism and communist ideas. You've got Antifa and BLM going crazy across our country. Why has the world drunk from the communist Kool-Aid yet again?
4: Where to start, uh, Joe? That's a perceptive question. Um, it does not compute unless you accept that there's, there are actual card carrying communists in the American government and have been for years. It's hard to understand why some refugees are not created as equal as others. Every Cuban I've ever met has been an American-loving patriot. They want to integrate. They want to speak as perfect English as they can. They want to learn the DNA, uh, the documents of our country. They know what it's like to live under the boot of Castro. That they would be turned away, but all manner of other kinds of illegal immigrants are allowed to storm across the border tells you everything you need to know. That the people who make the decisions at the highest levels of the U.S. government are sympathetic to communism. They don't want communist fighters here because they're, they're not going to vote Democrat.
1: Yes, talking about the the uh, kind of staying on the topic of communism but moving back to the Vatican, you know, the idea of communism spreading its errors again today, and even though it seemed like we everybody thought that it was crushed and it was going away and it re- brings its ugly head back up, you know, it reminds me of of t- Thomas Aquinas. You said it at the beginning, sin makes you stupid, but it's the same way. It's a, The idea is, Sin makes you a heretic, and heresy makes you sinful. And Cornelius Lapide, when we are reading, uh, we do the commentaries in the morning, I was reading Cornelius Lapide, and he says that if we want to convert someone, you have to get them to stop sinning. And that's why I was saying at the beginning earlier, I was saying earlier that sodomy is one of the biggest issues today, because sodomy is one of the sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance, and it causes us to abandon our faith. And so, whenever we have so many Sodomites in the clergy and in the hierarchy, what does this do? But it makes them heretics. It doesn't. uh, It's nothing about that in particular. But when you, whenever you do that, when you do sin, your will is weakened and your intellect is darkened, and you're not able to compute. You're not able to do that. Yet we see. our Lady of Fatima and her message today. How is Our Lady of Father's message today relevant, Patrick, for uh, the people today in battling against communism that we thought was going was going away?
4: I like the, uh, the way you framed it, Adrian, because the Catholics were, are prone to, because we hear things a lot like the creed, like the Our Father, like the canon of the mass. We hear these phrases and they kind of, they, they roll past us like a familiar train. We don't really pay attention to the words. Uh, Russia will spread her errors. Well, what errors? Is it just political? Or could the error be the the seeds of the failed sexual revolution? I think those are the other errors that Russia spread. The Bolsheviks that uh, murdered the Tsar and instituted the, the uh, tyranny called communism, they were also libertines. They had no sexual mores whatsoever. Abortion, no problem. Adultery, no problem. Free, open love, you know, polygamy, whatever. Um, so that, I think that entrenchment of sexual sin is uh, one, another parasite on, on communism. And I think that's, that's the error that, that, uh, that Russia spread as well. And we can say, well, more openly, it manifested in, on, in, in the political sphere or the political order in China and North Korea and Venezuela and Cuba. But in America, the errors of Russia are relativism, are the homo heresy. We don't even have to argue; it's not even argued for. it. now it's presumed. How do you account for the fact that a Father James Altman or um, uh, an Archbishop Vigano, who to, to me is the closest analog to Saint Peter Damian with this this trumpet blast of clarity, they're sidelined, they're shunted, they're fired, they're stripped of their faculties, but an but an open salesman of the LGBT sodomy lifestyle, Father James Martin, gets a love letter from Pope Francis, handwritten. Yeah, there's another tell of the priorities of the, of the church today, and it's it's heartbreaking. But it's not just sorrowful heartbreaking. It makes you, it makes you angry. Mm. And I think that anger can be turned by the grace of God into more fervent prayer, bitter for conversion, yeah, for starting sure. with us. You know, we we want to convert Russia, yes, but. I want to convert the guy in the mirror first.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a couple of other stories I want to get to uh, in our conversation with Patrick Coffin, Patrick Coffin media and is his website where he has his podcast, the Patrick Coffin show and his insider community. Uh, I encourage you to check that out, patrickcoffin.media. I, I do want to talk about vaccines. Vaccine segregation s- seems to be a conversation happening on a big scale now and, and getting worse and worse every day. Uh, for instance, uh, the federal agencies are now starting to, one by one, come out and say we're going to start mandating as a requirement for employment. Uh, we even see Netflix. We, talk, we were talking about Netflix earlier. Netflix is now saying, there's a report out today that says, Every production company that wants their movie on our platform has to all be vaccinated. Think about that for a second. Uh, there is So there's this conversation erupting across the planet about vaccines beginning to segregate society. And in fact, the French bishops uh, weighed in on this. There's an article over at Crux. There was massive rallies about a week ago, a week and a half, maybe this past weekend. Um, in Europe, it was France, it was England. I think there were uh, some others across the world uh, were... The people were standing up and saying, we're done with lockdowns. We don't want to be required to have vaccination passports, et cetera, et cetera. And the French bishops um, came out and said uh, they did not like the conversation of some of these groups who were equating the yellow star for the Jews were forced to wear in Germany and Poland and elsewhere with this vaccine issue they did not like that comparison they don't like that conversation and we're seeing many bishops now come out and say uh you need to be vaccinated we've saw uh, stories of uh, uh confessionals being segregated by vaccination status how do you see this argument patrick Coffin?
4: i think it's a, a short memory span one of the speakers at our Truth Over Fear Summit of the 40, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Zeb Zelenko was Vera Shirav. Vera is a 90 year old Holocaust survivor. And she has an, a unique position because she's, she has the long view. And she says this COVID scam nightmare is worse than what she saw as a young girl in Nazi Germany. It's worse because it's global and because it's believed by the majority of people have just decided they're going to be a sheeple. They're not going to um, challenge the, the grand narrative. There's a football team. I forget which one. Um, you you probably ahead of me on this, either Adrian or Joe. Um, yellow wristbands mm. for unvaccinated. Yellow, that sounds kind of like uh, the Star of David, doesn't it? It does. You're, yeah. you're publicly tagged as a goat as opposed to the good, the sheep, because you have been vaccinated. Um, it's all part of this oligarchic 1% billionaire uh, desire to control us and to reduce our population. From a These church
3: perspective name? though, yeah. uh, we're seeing it happen within the Catholic church. Um, the, there are a lot of bishops who are voluntarily on their own going to the, you know, the nth degree to, uh, to prove their, their uh, allegiance to this issue. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and it just seems mind boggling to me Um why this why this uh, you know it, 99% plus people survive this it's not as deadly not even the
1: delta variant is They're, as deadly they said that now that there we know that people are dying more from alzheimers than covid as of today uh, it seems yeah. it seems strange it
3: really goes back to kind of that uh, that weird uh, reality that the world is drinking from the Kool Aid of communism. Well, the world is drinking from a Kool Aid of crazy. Uh, we've we've lost common sense. We're like, you want to talk about uh, vaccines? Well, fine. Let's have a common sense conversation about a uh, a series of vaccines that aren't even f- officially approved. They're still experimental. We still don't know the results. We still don't know what's going to happen in all this. And yet, mm-hmm. ha- just having that conversation. I mean, this conversation right now could get us a strike and band. Just having this conversation uh, sure. is is not allowed. It does seem rather strange.
4: Bishop Douglas Crosby of Hamilton, Ontario, just threatened his priests and parish workers with uh, unnamed limitations on their uh, ministry if they don't get the vaccine. This is an unapproved experimental gene therapy under emergency use authorization that's now, by the way, the subject of a lawsuit by attorney Thomas Renz, who was hired by Dr. Simone Gold and America's Frontline Doctors. They're suing the federal government uh, in Alabama because, uh, among other things, Mr. Renz, he's this week's guest by this upcoming guest on my show, um, he says a whistleblower with the CDC who has massive expertise in biostatistics says that the true number of people killed by this vaccine is upwards of 45,000. They jigger the numbers. They go in the back door of the dashboard, and they don't want to see any actual spike in deaths. Spike, surge, outbreak. Those are the three wizard words that the media industrial complex uses. Spike, surge, and outbreak. Well, the real spike, surge, and outbreak is happening in people who have gotten the second jab, especially the second jab of the Moderna and the Pfizer. Mm. Um, They're lying to us about how dangerous this is. This is an attack on our fertility. It's an attack on our children. And I'm very ashamed and troubled that our bishops are deploying Uh, MDs who are part of this effort to break Catholic parent parent resistance. It's happened here in Orange County. It's happening across the country. And I think in some ways, Joe, it's another case of follow the money. About half of the budget of the USCCB comes from tax dollars. They, uh, as Richard John Newhouse said, are kind of the Democratic Party at prayer. They do not want any boat rocking. And so if there's pressure from above from the people who fill their coffers, they're going to go along yeah uh, even at even at the cost of the literal health of their of their uh their sheep it's their flock it's uh, it doesn't compete with me whatsoever which is why we need to keep talking about it and keep digging and finding our own our own answers
1: that'll do it for today praise be to god and uh tune in tomorrow for more interviews well, tomorrow will be gabriel castillo this is a pre-recorded show tomorrow will be pre-recorded as well and we will have gabriel castillo on and talk about families Alrighty, so tune in 6 a.m. Central to 7 a.m. Eastern and uh, 7 a.m. Central and to 8 a.m. Eastern. That came out perfectly. Uh, don't have to redo that at all. Praise be to God. Alrighty, we'll see you next uh, tomorrow and we'll see you live this Friday. And the game show will be back next week. So get your numbers out, get your phones out and your numbers ready for to call in next week. Alrighty, God love you and God bless you. And we'll see you tomorrow and we'll see you live on Friday.
5: Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet.
0: Bye now, and God love you.